Boy, this is Jesus in gym shoes. Boy, this is Jesus in gym shoes. Welcome to another episode of Jesus in gym shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills and Jesus. I have one of my good frat brothers here with me, uh, the Gooch himself, uh, <laughs> brother Allen, brother Allen Lad, uh, also known as Gucci. Um, introduce yourself, Doc. Uh, what's up, y'all? Um, uh, like. D said, you know, I'm Alan Ladd. I'm a school social worker out here in uh, Nebraska. Uh, also Nebraska Q's, Spring 11, Centennial Q's out here. They call me Gucci Q, known coast to coast. So, um, and yeah, that's that's basically me in a nutshell. Two kids. I think we're talking about fatherhood this, yeah. this round. So, yeah. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure having you here. Uh, I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody. What's your favorite pair of gym shoes? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. I don't own those gym shoes, man. I, uh, I'm a Sperry guy, Sperry and Air Max guy. But when okay. I used to hoop, I probably played in some LeBron, some LeBron, let's say this, LeBron Air Zoom Generation 1s. Those came out when I was a those senior in high fire. school. Those are fire. They came out your senior year? My oh, senior no, year in high school. Year, high school. Three. <laughs> Yeah, 2003, 2004. Yeah, his first signature yep. shoe. Yep. So, yeah. That's my favorite LeBron. Arizona Generation One. That is my. Man, favorite. I sound like a sneakerhead right there. <laughs> that is my. You do sound like a sneakerhead. Although yeah. I got friends that are like sneakerheads that despise, they despise, despise, despise LeBrons. Man. For whatever reason, they despise LeBrons. Um, yeah, and I don't know why. Like, I, I like LeBron's, um, but, you know, LeBron's don't always, I don't know. They just aren't like, it's not a classic Nike, like a Penny or, you know, something like, or or or, or Barkley or Jordan, of course. But I like LeBron's. I, I work in a school all day, and I, I get that some of the, these uh, Instagram teachers and stuff be flourishing with their sneakers and all that. I wear Sperry's, Air Max's, Kohan's. Kohan's are great. That's what I wear every day. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. What was that process like? Um, Because becoming a social worker, Mm -hmm. like in a area, like you in Nebraska, yeah, you a black man in Nebraska, yeah. Like, what what's that like? Well, so my social work journey started when I lived out in in Maryland. Mm -hmm. So when I was living on East Coast, uh, I lived out in Maryland for about five years. Um, started my uh, master's program at uh, Catholic University. That's where I ended up getting my master's is out in D.C. So I was mm-hmm. going in person. And then um, 2018, I started my program in 2017. 2018, um, I moved and I was just on the fence about finishing my master's. And, you know, that's when they, a lot of schools start rolling out that online programs and things like that, yeah. which now are flourishing due, due to the pandemic. We'll get to that. Um, but um, <clears throat> so I was. I was one of the first ones to um, go through like one of the those online portals. So like getting my master's through there, and you know it's like I always call it like a God's calling. Like I knew that I, East Coast, I would have been just another fish in the pond. That's what mm-hmm. I always say. I would have been just another koi fish, nice fish in the pond. Out here, I am the fish yeah. in the pond. I am one of five black male social workers in the state 
I'm the only black social worker here at, in Lincoln Public Schools where I'm at right now. Jeez. I'm the only black social worker at a high school level. Um, so I knew that my presence was needed here. I felt like God sent me back, even though I went to Omaha first, now back in the city that I was raised in, in Lincoln. So, um, you know, that journey is just, a, I mean, it's overwhelming at times because it's like, I'm the one that people look for. So it's, it's a lot of pressure sometimes because like, am I saying the right things? Am I advocating for the right things? Am I providing this service when, you know, they're so used to, you know, white, ma- white female social workers and things like that. So mm-hmm. I am the anomaly. You know, my dad, my godfather out in Maryland called me a black unicorn and I've rolled with it. So when I introduced myself, I'm like, I'm black unicorn. You don't see too many black male social workers out in Nebraska. And if you do, let me know. So, yeah, put them in touch with me. ASAP. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, the social work degree, it opened up so many doors, though, you know, um, not just here in the Midwest, but out east. Like once you get your master's in social work, you can go into any realm. You can go clinical. You can go clinical LI here in Nebraska right now. Technically, I can provide therapy to out, outside of school hours. I can provide therapy to people, but I'd rather get my licensure. So right now I'm on the path of getting my uh, licensed mental health practitioner. So that way I can provide therapy. And then again, see, that's another small number. It goes to in the city of Lincoln, there's only three black male social workers and black male, not social worker, but therapists. And <clears throat> the demand for black male therapists, man, if someone wants to come and make money, they're needed. Hopefully <laughs> like they, they actually like people and want to, yeah. They yeah. Want to help people. Yeah. But I mean, even, even with that, I mean, the number overall is is drastically small yeah like just the percentages in the entire are, nation yeah the percentages are it's outrageous like it's a very small percentage i wouldn't even say more than seven percent social workers or therapists out there are black male but when you find those ones i mean it's like finding even a haystack and you got to hold on to that therapist yeah i have you know? a black male therapist yeah. um, so you're in a big man. city though <laughs> But even still, like in Chicago, I mean, compared to, I mean, even still, like even being in Chicago, like it's still hard to find. Um, There are a lot of black women who, you know, are looking for black female therapists, which Mm -hmm. they are a considerable amount uh, more. They're still like fighting to like get on schedules of those that are there. So the the demand is way up. Yeah, yeah, I lucked up. I got a friend right now. She 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 uh she was out in Maryland when I was getting my master. She's from Chicago and you know she's she's a therapist out there now too, starting off as therapist and and trust me, she she's letting me know about the need. And she always says it's easy for you because you're gonna be able to get one a job and two do this, and I'm just like yeah. unicorn effect. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um but what is it, what made you kind of want to get into social work? You know, you know, I tell my story all the time and, you know, I've told it so many times. It's like, damn, am I, I mean, am I forgetting this or this? But, you know, I grew up in Mississippi. I, I was born and raised in Clarksville, Mississippi. So nobody, if you don't know where that's at, that's the Mississippi Delta, one of the poorest regions of the country outside of Appalachia and outside of the uh, Indian reservations over in uh, New Mexico and Arizona. Um, You know, my mother passed away when I was six. 
you know, I didn't really have ties with my biological father. I didn't really meet him until I was like 13. Um, and so, you know, we, when she passed away, you know, I was in relative foster care. My cousin took us in, me and my brother. Um, and, you know, she had, what, five kids. You took us in, had a husband, about nine, ten people in a one-bedroom house, right? Mm. We get up to, we moved to Nebraska in 97. You know, I was just raised here. And just so many people just, I, and when I think about it, just, you know, just in my life at right time, mentoring programs, tutoring programs, sports and things like that. And I knew I wanted to go back for teaching. I was like, man, I, I think I want to be a teacher. But I knew that just wasn't my path. It wasn't my calling. And so I um, went to college. I got a criminal justice degree with a minor in special education. And I don't know, just somehow I would just start working in social services fields. And I knew that was my calling because if you take a criminal justice degree, a special education degree, and a social work degree, what populations are you serving underprivileged, you know, black and brown kids uh, right now, you know, you know, the population of Lincoln is not that, but, you know, underrepresented people. So um, I knew that was my calling. And then the biggest calling was when I went out East to Maryland and just seeing just so many beautiful black people and just seeing the, the aesthetics of just that social work degree and title and what that brought. Yeah. And, and um, I got a, a mentor, Trish, I'm not Trish, but Tish, we could, her name is Tish, we, Letitia Isby, and she works out in uh, at, in D.C. And first thing she said to me, like, you're not going to get too far in, in D.C. with just a bachelor's. You got to get your master's off rip. So I'll mentor you. I'll show you, teach you everything I know. But it has to be in social work. I can't help you in anything else. And so shout out to black women. But yeah, she, uh, you know, and it was crazy. I was working at Boys Town in D.C. And I was literally the only male working there. Mm -hmm. all of it was like seven social workers all on black female social workers uh tish was my supervisor she black female the, the executive director was a black female man it was black woman. beautiful beautiful yeah. i was like i owe my degree to them when i got it i was i praised them so much so much yeah i think uh i was having a conversation with one of the other bros i don't know i don't know if i've ever i don't know if you've ever been around moody um but we were having a conversation about how um, he's a Pi Beta 08. We were having a conversation about how the how you need a sponsor a lot of times, and mm -hmm. people um, finding the right person that sponsors you. And when we say sponsor, we mean the person that guides you or give yep. you, gives you the actual tools that are needed. That when mm -hmm. you get in the room, or while they're in the room, they're telling you like, "Hey, this is what you need to do." So yeah. that way you're qualified yep. to get in the room. These are the mm -hmm. steps that you have to take. This is the education that you need to get. These are the things that you have to do. Exactly. Um, and it's amazing when Black people are able to be a sponsor or yep. be able to um, give um, that that interaction. And so mm -hmm. the it, it's it's interesting that you are a social worker how does that, and also like an orphan, essentially, um, how, do you, how, how do you think those two things tie in together? You know, one of the biggest things that teaches you, uh, it taught me empathy and show, and not just empathy for just other people, but like being able to be empathetic for myself and being able to remove myself from 
you know, traumatic experiences and things like that, you know, as a clinician, you know what I'm saying? Obviously every clinician needs a clinician. So I go to therapy and, you know, it's resolving a lot of unseen trauma that I've seen and, and feel to this day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being in social work, I can literally think clinically. And I mean, trust me, I've been through a couple of therapists because as we're combative, I know what skills and what tools they're going to try to use on me. You know, if they're using CBT or if they're using DBT, you know, these are just terms that we use in, in the clinical field, strategies they use, and I can combat them. But um, they go hand in hand because, like I said, I can tell my story. My story is relevant to a lot of the kids and just people that I work with. They mm-hmm. see a black male therapist. They see a black male social worker. You know, even though there, I really don't say there's no ghettos in Lincoln, Nebraska, but there's poverty everywhere you go. There's um, traumas, generational traumas, all that in people's families and things like that. So you experience all that. And then I just pour that into myself and then give it back to my students to try to show them that this is the way <clears throat> that you have to go, where you got to go out. So whether that be college, whether that be a trade, whether that be, you know, GD route, you know, yeah. we're going to figure it out. So we got to figure also, it out. Also, you know, we, we provide those services where it's like, you know, I'm frontline mental health. So if it's, if I can't, I don't tell kids, I can't fix your problem. I can't, but I can pinpoint, I can point you in the right direction to get you some services and things like that. So. Understood. That makes sense. I appreciate, I want to say thank you for doing that. Amen. <laughs> thank you so much for doing that. Um, Cause I think it's necessary. It's most definitely yeah. necessary. Um, what have you learned from being a dad? Cause you're a dad also, you're a dad to two man. girls. So I got two beautiful daughters, man. I got, you know, uh, Kennedy, she's my oldest. She's out in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, so if people listening and you hear I'm in Nebraska and I have a six-year-old in Maryland, and then I have my three-year-old, um, Zaya, she she just turned three yesterday. Uh, she lives in Omaha, Nebraska. That's like a 45-minute drive from me. But, you know, <clears throat> you know, I, I, it's the epitome of going outside yourself. Mm-hmm. I have to put them before anything I do. It's they're the first thought of my mind and the last thought of my mind, whether it be subconscious or not. If it's, um, you know, did they eat today? Did they, how was school for them today? You know, if me and their mom aren't communicating, like, how can we fix that? It's, it's just so many narratives and parts and moving parts to it. But all in itself, it, it literally showed me how to one love because, you know, you know, you have male love where it's like, you know, romantic and this and that and this and that. But then when you got to love your children, mm-hmm. it's something totally different. Like, you know, dating, you can be like, you know, you love your partner whatnot, but like that love, that unconditional love that you have for your children is something that weighs and you can't measure it. You know, you can't separate it. So. And you're a bi-coastal dad, like Dennis. <laughs> you just said that word to me today. I was like, what? <laughs> What's true? Like, I mean. You got a kid that's on, you got a, a daughter that's on the East Coast, mm-hmm. at the tip of the East Coast, right? Yeah. And I, I said this to you before, you're going to have daughters with two different accents. Oh my God, it's going to be terrible. My six-year-old's yeah. already starting to get that deep West Baltimore accent. It's like, like yeah, hey, dad, we're going to the avenue. Oh <laughs> my, I'd be like, Kennedy, can you say it this way for me, please? Yeah, like, please. It was like, yeah, yeah, pop, we yeah. going to. 
We going yeah. over. There. I love that old ghetto. Just oh, uh, it's it it. Uh, you know, I you know, I, I love, love the culture. Me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That when she we comes out do. here, she yeah. it looked that funny, and not just from people out in Nebraska, but from her dad herself. Like, did you really just say that? <laughs> We're going up to did the you really just enunciate and pronunciate that like that? <laughs> it's not even a fluke. Oh my no. god, it's amazing. I love that that Baltimore accent. Um, but yeah, you gonna have daughters with two different accents. Like, how is it? How do you love them? How, how do you love them and you aren't there with them? You know, so it's tough for 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 that one. I mean, I love my daughters, and, and some people will literally look at me and say, "You're lying to your face. You love Zaya more than you love Kennedy because Zaya is more here with me." But the story, like when I moved away from Maryland, you know, Kennedy was two years old. So I've been gone for four years. Um, Zaya was, you know, obviously now she's three, but I've had more time spent one-on-one, more time spent just in proximity to Zaya than I had with Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's tough because, you know, T- Kennedy's asking those questions like, why'd you leave? You know, when are you coming back? Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you love my mommy? You know, it's, it's tough questions. But as a clinician, you know, and that's another thing, it just taught me, like, I have to answer those tough questions. I have to. And even though she's six, she is smart as a whip. She understands. Trust me, she's parental. I'm going to call it parentified, but she's in some adult conversations. You know, I don't know what her mom and her grandma over there are doing, but, you know, it's a situation where, you know, those tough conversations has to happen. But, you know, through the courts and through, you know, visitation and, you know, custody stuff, you know, I'm able to still go out there. Like I said, I got family still out in Maryland. So I try to get out to see Kennedy at least every two months, every three months, which what my schedule allows, because, you know, I'm constricted to a school schedule. Right. Um, So I try to get out there Christmas break. uh, spring break she comes out here for the summer um for two months so um it's tough trust me it is tough that was the hardest decision I had to make was leaving her it wasn't a situation where I had to leave her mom because you know we were at a point where we were just done like it wasn't healthy it wasn't toxic and I had felt like I had accomplished everything I needed to accomplish going out to Baltimore so going out to Maryland and I know I would be able to serve better in Nebraska so so how, so how, just more, just to get back to the point of like, have a kind of a, a view that the audience can, can hear. What do you do to make sure that Kennedy is loved the way that oh, Kennedy man. is loved or, or needs to be loved from you? Okay. And then from like, you. how is it that you love Zaya the way that Zaya needs to be loved from you? So Again, I mean, they're two different people. They're two different yep. individuals. They're two, um, they have two different experiences with me. So like yep. I said, with Ken, I have my proximity with Zaya where I can, if I, today, if I want to go up to Omaha, I can go up to Omaha and see my daughter. With Kennedy, I think is more so um, my presence, you know, my wanting, my uncanny ability to be like, I can, I'm, I'm coming to see you. I, I miss you so much. I'm coming to see you. Um, if it's a situation where it's, if it's a disciplinary situation on the phone, you know, my presence is still there. Kennedy knows yeah. I'm her father, even though if her mom dates any other body, Kennedy knows like that's dad, that's word. What he say goes. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows that my love extends from here and beyond. Like I will drop anything at a hat to come for her and do anything like 
you know, it's tough. It's tough, trust me. Um, yeah. To be here and her being raised there. And then when she comes in the summer, you know, she gets very emotional when she's leaving her mom. But then when she's here, it's just she forgets. She's with dad. And then when it's time for her to leave, it's vice versa. So yeah. I think just the biggest piece is just my presence. Like, even though it's over phone calls, FaceTime, visits, sending gifts monthly, you know, mm-hmm. she doesn't know about the financial aspect and pieces of things. She just knows daddy's in Nebraska. I live here in Baltimore. Right. And so, but <clears throat> on the flip side of that, the love that Zaya receives in which is, I don't want to call it selfish, but it's just the proximity that Zaya can see me every day if I wanted to. Yeah. Right. I, I have a, we still have, you know, I feel like <clears throat> with the situation with Kennedy's mom, it put me in a situation where I was scorned. So even though me and Zaya's mom have a healthy, healthier relationship, uh, I still did the court route with everything, child support, visitation, all that. So I get my daughter every other weekend. Uh, but like I said, I can pull up on her anytime. So, um, but Makes that sense. love for Zaya is like, it's tough because that's my, that's my baby. That, and she the youngest, that's my baby. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, yeah. She, she looked more like me, man. And she, she has my same attitude, you know, she knows she's a daddy's girl. Both of them are daddy's girls, but mm-hmm. you know, I, if they said, who do you love more? I would have to walk out the room. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> what were your thoughts prior to being a dad? You know, Do prior to being a dad, dog, no, real, I was out reckless out in, in Maryland. I was I was from the Midwest. I came out east, and they were just like, you're not from here. You're not. And I was so used, I mean, I was used to black women out here, but I was reckless out there. So I, I didn't have a care in the world. I, I knew I was an educated black male. Um wanted part of that talented 10th, you know what I'm saying? Right. But out there, I got humble quick, but I was, I don't lie, I was wild. And like, Kennedy humbled me. Okay. Kennedy humbled me. It was like, you have a daughter. And I always call it, and 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 if you got some religious people on your, on your podcast, they're going to get mad. I call it God's humor. He gave me two girls. Like, I got to humble you twice because you are wilding. And so now... Every aspect oh, in the dating realm, uh-huh. every every aspect and anything is like, I got to put my like daughter. So like first, like, so when women be like, how would you feel if your daughter met a person like you? Well, they're going to be prepared. They're going <laughs> uh, to know what selfishness look like. They're going to know what, you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah. What do mm-hmm. the, do your thoughts prior? Um. So what were your initial thoughts like when you heard, damn, I'm about to be a dad? Which like, time? what were those thoughts? Which time? Both the first time. The first time, you know, with her mother, you know, it was it was tough pill to swallow because me and her mom, we weren't together that long. Mm-hmm. I met her Memorial Day, and mm-hmm. she told me she was pregnant by the end of October. So that's a May to October. Short span. Mm-hmm. Short span. So, so, so when you heard that, like, did, did something kind of click like, man, I got to do this. So I have to do this to kind of get myself prepared to be a dad. Well, I was more scared. And this is just, you know, me being vulnerable right now. I was more scared of my image, mm. you know, because one, we weren't really dating. And then I still had two different images. I had my image out in, in who I was out East. And then I had my portrayal and who image I was back home. So it was still people back home that was like, 
you know, when I come back and visit, this is Gucci or this Allen, he here to see me. And then, but now I got to tell people like, oh, I got to kid in a way. Mm. And so it was a shock to some, but at the end, you know, at the end of the day, it was a situation where it was like, you know, I'm a man of, you know, to a woman, like, it's your choice. I can't force you what to do. If you're going to do this, if we're not together, we're going to co-parent. So like when uh, my child, when Kennedy's mom, when we tried it, you know, one thing my godfather said, and I call him Pops, Pops was like, you don't have to date her to, you know, parent. Mm-hmm. And I took it the hard way. And trust me, that just sparked so much toxicity. And I wasn't ready. I was still immature. I, I was still doing me. And like I said, it humbled me for a moment. You know, mm-hmm. but then I got back to me doing me. And then obviously the second time happened, you know, but I think the first time when I heard that, and I'm not gonna lie with Zaya's mom, I really was like, I don't want a second kid and I don't want a kid with you. But, you know, it always seemed to happen like and it's weird like I have significant people pass away in my family and every time someone passed away it seemed like this, a blessing like that happened right so it's like reincarnation yeah. but like when Kennedy was born or when she told me that uh she was pregnant a couple months before that my uh dad had passed away my bio dad mm-hmm. uh when Zaya was when her mom told me she was pregnant one of my great aunts who I love I love this woman she had passed away. Mm-hmm. And so that's why now I'm like, if someone passed away in my family, I'm like, somebody around here pregnant, and I, hope it ain't me. You know I, mean? I can't get pregnant. But hopefully I'm mm-hmm. safe to be like that. So mm-hmm. how are you uh, keeping your sh- yourself in shape to be uh, to be the best father? Say that again. How am I keeping myself in how shape? How are you keeping yourself in shape to be mm-hmm. the best father you can be? You talking about mentally, physically? It's up to you. Emotionally. It's up to you. You know, that's a great question. I mean, physically, I think I'm pretty fit. I mean, I can still lose the Gucci gut from here and there. I can't stop eating candy and stuff like that. But, like, no, biggest thing is mentally and emotionally. Those are the sharpest things that you got to keep intact Mm -hmm. mentally because you got to, as fathers, we got to be vulnerable when we have little girls. You have to. You got to show them. And one thing that I'm I'm trying to work on, and and it's tough, like, trying to show love to their mothers when I'm not emotionally attached to them like that like I've detached and it's like it's just the girls if if it ain't about them I don't need to know about your day I don't need to know about that that ain't my that ain't my business but mentally being able to be vulnerable and showing them that one you can love and two you can show them love right and then also mentally being able to show that compassion and empathy sympathy all that right yeah um that's that's both mentally and emotionally so but mentally i mean not mentally but spiritually you know we go that route as well you know i'm trying to find a home church i used to go to a church here but you know to each his own i would say you know we're trying we're trying um yeah Yeah, Uh, I i think one of the biggest things i just recently did was just purchase a home so they now have a forever home Mm -hmm. i tell them daddy ain't moving this is your house yeah your house your room when i leave this house is gonna be in your name y'all name y'all better figure it out so <laughs> that's how i talk to my that, girls what, like, do you want them to re- what do you want them to remember about you like you what's know, the- you know hopefully i I live to an age where they're you know they're adults and things like that but they're gonna know they dad like it's 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 one of the it's crazy one of the biggest things that i do and a lot of people don't do this i mean people do it but they do it for like social media and stuff like that 
I take so many pictures. I try to get in pictures with my daughters and stuff like that because I see people when, you know, they pass or something like that. And then they were like, look at me and my dad when they were, we were this young and my dad was like this and this. I never had that ability to do that because my mother never took pictures. My family would say like, she hated pictures. So I only have like three pictures of my mom, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. That is crazy to me. Um, but they're going to remember me as, you know, that's my dad. He didn't take nothing, but he is very emotional. He, he, he was emotional with me. You know, he's smart as a whip because I think I set that bar so high for them. I mean, a master's degree is not that high, really, but it's like you got something to attain. And if they don't want to go to school, I will support them in any endeavor they do because that's what dads do. That's that's our job, our role, to raise them, help them find the direction they want to go and push them to go do that. So do you think do you think that the fact of you not necessarily knowing, you know, your bio pops um, when you were younger, does that kind of weigh um, on you with how you love your kids? Oh, yeah, it, it, it totally does. Um, it weighs so heavy on me because I think one one of my biggest fears is being an absent ain't dad. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the biggest fear for me. So that's why I work so hard to try to humble myself when I'm talking to uh my kid's mother if it's something where I don't agree with and I'm emotional about it I used to just shut down I'm like no I can't do that but now I have to communicate because you know in the longevity thing mothers control everything they can take your kid from you they can do that I mean I I I read a lot of you know posts and stuff like that you know calling baby mama terrorists and stuff like that it cracks me up on stuff like that but I think the the absence of my father definitely weighs on me but i also say i've seen great men be fathers so i've had father figures in my life and show me what it takes to be a great man and great father so absolutely absolutely well i appreciate you for you know hopping on jesus and gym shoes and giving us a you know how hard it was to not cuss (laughs) what 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 script last question what scripture is it that you go to they kind of hold you over. Oh, you know, man. Times. Oh, you're acting a person that don't really read the Bible. Like, <laughs> I can, I can, I can rattle off the scriptures that, we, you know. So what is it that you, what, where is it that like you, that, right? where is it that you go or what is it that you look to that, you know, kind of keeps your head, right? I mean, if it's a poem, what is it that kind of keeps you, you know, grounded? So one, I, I, I talk to my mother daily. So like in prayer, yeah, I talk to her, which is weird, right? I just she she that what keeps me grounded. Um, poems, you know, we I mean, got we had a, we got a spitfire a, poems when we was online. Yeah, you know, we absolutely. got a spitfire them jokers, right? Like if, um, you know, yeah. So mother the son and mother the son keep that mother that, the will, son. that will humble me quick, man. That humbles you quick, and if they don't know that. Mother the Son by Big Brother Langston Hughes. So look it up. My dean's uh, favorite poem was uh, to Artina. Man, yeah, yeah I like crazy. that, but that don't that don't do nothing for me. Yeah, Mother the <laughs> Son. I, no, I was just bringing it up. But yeah, Mother, Mother the, the Son. Son. You know, man. But yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's I don't know. <laughs> Psalms one twenty one eight. That's a good one for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, like I said, I appreciate you. Where can people get in touch with you at, Gooch? Man, so uh, I got my Instagram. That's the only thing I really rock on. And okay. that's mostly just pictures of me and my kids or if I'm at the gym, anything like that. Not but, doing leg day. Yeah, I don't I do leg day, but I ain't got those big old jokers like you, man. Uh, but yeah, just at Gucci Q2X. I think I'm about to take a sabbatical, though, from 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 some social media i need to to recharge refresh and that's fair brand regroup that's fair so um that yeah that's that's basically it man school social worker and trying to stay humble and low-key that most definitely works well this has been i thank you so much no problem. for chopping it up with me giving us another you know realistic look at you know fatherhood and mm-hmm. you know um the things that we talked about um, so this has been another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe. Um, Instagram is this is underscore Jesus and Gym Shoes, and YouTube is Jesus and Gym Shoes. Thank you. I love you. Peace.